This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, welcome to the future of finance, the Motive Labs podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Welcome back. You're joined by Sam and I have with me here Duncan Sands, the executive director of the P20 and also a former Lord Mayor of Westminster. Welcome. Thank you, Sam. It's great to be here. Duncan, we're sat here in a typically British day and I feel with the sun and the rain like I'm sat with one of the most typically British people I know. You've had a career in politics. You are, in fact, also, and forgive me for sparing the blushes, a direct descendant of Winston Churchill himself. And you're also the executive director of the P20, a, uh, a payments industry body that is convening some of the most significant decision makers on the planet in the payment sector. Perhaps we could start, for those who are tuning in who don't know the P20, demystifying it a little bit. What is the P20? Why did it start? What has it done? What are some of its objectives? But perhaps before we do that, you could tell us a little bit about your career so far. Well, thank you, Sam. Uh, It's great to be here with you. So my career started uh, in banking, actually, with Barclays, with their private bank, which was newly formed in the mid-1990s. I then went on and left the corporate banking world to work for a startup where we designed software for the early detection of colon cancer, and we floated it uh, on the AIM market uh, in 2007. And concurrently with all of that, I had been elected to Westminster City Council the very young age of 24, but also only by the skin of my teeth because I won by 11 votes, having been told that uh, I was too young to be a member of Westminster City Council at 24. So I did that uh, for 12 years in the end, and in my last year, my colleagues did me the honor of electing me as the Lord Mayor of Westminster, uh, which meant that I chaired the council and was the the figurehead of the city of Westminster. And it was a, a very memorable year in office that. After that, I'd got married and moved to America with my American wife and my son, uh, where I've been based uh, in Atlanta. And I had a little consultancy business outside of the payments industry. Then I did something fun, organizing an exhibition of paintings by Winston Churchill that went uh, around America. And now I've ended up coming back the sort of full circle from Barclays into the uh, payments industry with P20. Thanks, Duncan. We don't have, sadly for me, that much in common, but we did both start our careers at Barclays, so there's still hope for me yet. And a really fascinating background from health and helping solve one of the world's most vicious diseases to IPOs to truly outstanding series of political achievements at such a young age. And then over to the other side of the pond to get the American take on life, the home of capitalism and then touring America. I can only imagine how much fun you had touring America with Winston Churchill's paintings, but perhaps that's a, a story for later on off record. We were going to talk about the P20. Please do tell us a little bit about the, the history of the P20, what it stands for and where you're taking it. Well, the P20, I like to describe the P20 as the voice of the global payments industry. We uh, have brought together the leaders of the industry in in terms of the banks, uh, the networks, uh, and the processes as well. And we've put them around the table with the 
with the government uh, officials and with the regulators from the US and the UK. And what we're doing is bringing everyone around to collaborate, to create the positive change that will help make the industry a better industry, and to focus on the issues which are not competitive, but are really important that uh, the industry collaborates so that the best solutions can be found so that the industry works uh, in a more efficient and better fashion. P20 obviously has only been going for a couple of years, but we've made great strides in that period of time. We've got big names who are on on board. All the uh, household names of the leaders of the payments industry are on board with us. And we keep on and keep focused on creating that positive change. Thanks, Duncan. And I had the great pleasure of of being part of the team uh, at the inception of the P20. And one of the things I've been so impressed by is the momentum that it's built. It's quite clear to me that whether it be driven by consolidation, driven by regulation, driven by new technologies, new business models, this is an industry that people can't ignore. And you guys are tackling some of the biggest issues, challenges, and opportunities every single day with the decision makers. It's really, really powerful. To create something so powerful, you've had to build a truly unique partner ecosystem. What might be useful for our listeners who touch the payment space in some manner or form, for you to tell us perhaps, how do the partners interact and engage with the P20 on a daily, monthly and annual basis? Well, thank you. I mean, we're very fortunate that we have, uh, as our chairman of P20, Bruce Lothers, the COO of uh, FIS, who have just uh, taken over WorldPay just last week. And as our vice chairman and incoming chairman, we have uh, John Hutton, who is the director of payments at the Nationwide Building Society. So we have these two great uh, leaders on our board, and we have active members from all the leading companies. But what the board has decided to do is to set up, uh, uh, was to agree four pillars, four priorities that they have, regulation, cybersecurity, financial inclusion, and education. And uh, we've taken these themes, set up working groups, and the way that the board members are involved and engage not just uh, with P20 from an organizational standpoint, but with each other on these issues is through the working groups. These meet uh, throughout the year, coming up with work streams for them to work on, uh, which they will eventually report back on the progress of that at uh, our annual conference that we have uh, in October. So for instance, on the regulation side, what everyone is working on at the moment is payee authentication. This is uh, an issue which uh, in the world of faster payments and real-time payments is at the forefront of the minds, particularly of of regulators and of government. And what the industry is doing is coming together to find the best practice, to find how best this should be implemented and to feed that into both the US and the UK to ensure that the regulation that comes out is not only practical in terms of its implementation, but it is achieving what everybody is trying to achieve. On cybersecurity, I'm so pleased that the industry has decided that uh, this is not uh, completely a competitive issue. What we are focused on is if there were a systemic uh, attack on the payments infrastructure. 
how would the industry respond? How would the industry collaborate and work together in order to make sure that uh, normality was resumed, that the damage was limited? And so what our group is doing is testing the resilience of parts uh, of a response plan. But the ultimate aim is that we are going to create an industry-wide response plan to a systemic attack, you know, which will give confidence not just to the industry that uh, we know what we would do if such a horrendous and horrific attack were to take place, but more particularly that those uh, in government as well and their agencies would have confidence that the industry had a handle on what to do. On financial inclusion, this is the big issue of the day. This is the issue which uh, has just risen so far up in the last few years. And some of our members are great leaders on financial inclusion, particularly MasterCard. And they're leading this group. What we're trying to achieve here is to develop digital solutions that will enable the inclusion of the unbanked and the underbanked. But to do that, we need to understand the causes. We need to understand why is it that they are not part of the financial system. What is that roadblock? And to just take a sort of generic look at it is not the way forward. It's, it, we, we need to look much more closely, much more carefully, and understand why some people who on the face of it would look as though they should be able to engage without a problem are finding that they have a problem. And we need to find those solutions, develop those solutions, innovate, collaborate in order to make sure that uh, those people can be a part of everything. Thanks, Duncan. That's really, really useful and so succinctly put. So just to play a few bits of it back to you. So obviously, Bruce and John, uh, the transatlantic figureheads, were leading the charge with you and the P20 board. The P20 board comprised of some of the most senior industry decision makers from various different firms and players in the space. And then you're tackling four different work streams. You're tackling regulation, you're tackling cyber security, financial inclusion and education. And then everyone comes together once a year the sort of the Davos of the payments industry at the annual conference, which is happening this October on the 3rd. And I know from Motive Partners experience and and my experience working with you, Peter, Bruce and co, that there's many, many ways for firms to get involved in this. If you think about the cybersecurity industry, there isn't really a stakeholder group that's not affected by that. And to hear that the payments industry wants to come together, that you've been wargaming. I remember some of the exercises that you've done to to put in place those continuity plans and uh, reaction plans. It's really, really powerful stuff. I know that in the financial inclusion space, our partners, MasterCard, uh, one of our portfolio companies done in Bradstreet, are doing an awful lot in this space to support the work that you're doing as well. Did you know Motive Partners has a weekly newsletter? It's called Brain Food. It comes out every Sunday morning and it's packed with all the things you need to know about financial services and technology. You can subscribe at motivepartners.com. So... We've talked about the events, we've talked about the work streams, we've talked about the summit this October, celebrating the progress of all those stakeholders. What have some of the uh, the highlights been from the recent annual conferences over the past few years? Well, I think when we look back to 2017, which was the October of 2017, which was the first P20 conference that took place in London at Lancaster House, I think just the fact that people came together from the industry 
that they came together in the same room to discuss the major issues of the day, to set the agenda for P20, to decide on the, what the roadmap should be. I think that in itself was a major achievement. When you look at uh, financial services generally, the only time financial services as an industry has changed historically has been when government and regulators have told it to do so. And that hasn't always been a particularly happy experience. But what I think is unique about P20 is the fact that we've brought everybody together around the table in the payments industry to collaborate and to actually work on what those solutions are. And so I think that first conference, just bringing everyone together and agreeing on what those pillars should be, was uh, probably its major achievement. Last year in Atlanta, we were able to track the progress that had been made across the pillars. And for an organization that was so fledgling that really had only been in existence for effectively a year in terms of the work stream, the progress had been made. What we've been doing in the course of 2019 is to build on that progress further. And obviously, when we have the conference in October in London this year, we are going to have the opportunity to have plenary sessions where people attending the conference, and it's you know invitation only for senior executives in the payments industry, they will have the, uh, the opportunity to contribute as well. And I think it's really important because we really want to hear everything we can from the senior executives in the payments industry who live this day to day. We've been very fortunate that as P20's reputation has grown, we've been able to get some very senior, well-known people to come and headline the conference. In 2017, the former U.S. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew came and spoke and uh, in conversations that we've had with uh, Secretary Liu since, we have discovered that uh, he was uh, quite affected by, by the conference and uh, what it is that we're trying to achieve and was quite surprised to see how we had managed to pull together so many senior players within the industry. Last year, we were honored to have uh, the former Prime Minister, David Cameron, come to, to Atlanta and uh, he, as an advisor to uh, what was First Data before last week, was able to uh, give us a view of the payments industry from his perspective of traveling the world for them. So as we look forward to this year, we've got uh, you know, not only uh, some of the most senior executives from some of the biggest payments companies in the world attending and taking part, but we're also honored that uh, the Lord Mayor of London, Alderman Peter Estlin, will be speaking to us, as well as Chris Woolard, the Director of Strategy at the FCA as well. So uh, we're excited. Everything's coming together. There's more, there's more names that we'll be announcing soon. And um, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be uh, another great uh, step uh, on the P20 journey. It's one thing having senior industry executives participate in this stuff, but to have a uh, you know, former Secretary of State, or Secretary of the Treasury, I should say, Jack Lew, former prime ministers and various other governmental diplomats participate at the P20 really does show that this is this is something that's on everyone's radar and i think when you have consolidation of the industry with 50 billion dollar mergers that affect everything that every industry does and every industry that it touches 
there's really no telling as to where this organization is going to go. I can't wait to see what happens on October 3rd this year, the people that you bring. I know there are many surprises up your sleeve, so you can't tell us all of them. But what's the grand vision for the P20 over the next decade? Where do you see this institution going? Dangle the carrot for us a little bit. Get us excited. Well, thank you, Sam. I think the thing about P20, P20 came together as a US-UK partnership. It was something that came together in order to find the best practice to harmonize the regulation, the approach for the payments industry. And I think that as we look to the future, what we're looking to do is we're looking to to capitalize on the fact that countries around the world look to the US and the UK for leadership. They look to those two countries, and we want to broaden the the global involvement. We have a number of countries banging on our door, asking to be involved. Last year, Canada was intimately involved, and there are discussions going on with a number of countries, including them, to be more closely involved than they were last year. But ultimately, what this is about, it's about collaboration. It's about innovation. It's about bringing that positive change to the industry. And the issues that we deal with, the issues that come before us, they're going to change over the years. Some of them are going to grow bigger and others are going to be new ones that we haven't necessarily even thought of. But I think that as those challenges come, one of the things that the P20 is doing is bringing together those leaders. It's bringing together people who can build relationships, not just with other industry players, but with innovators, with regulators, with government, with all sorts of other parties. And I think that bringing everyone together in that one room, enabling everyone to build those relationships and have those conversations, means that as these new challenges come that nobody has thought of, that nobody has seen around the corner coming towards us, we will be better placed as an industry in order to react, to build solutions, to find ways of keeping everything positive. But I think uh, in a year when we look at uh, three massive mergers within the payments industry, the FIS and WorldPay merger, the FISA First Data, and the TSIS and Global Payments, this consolidation that's taking place, P20 is also that forum where these types of conversations can be started, where these types of conversations can be continued, whereas the industry develops. And I think that one of the things that I saw both in 2017 and last year, and I think that you will see again this year in October in London, is just the energy that's there. The energy that is there at the conference, the energy amongst the people, the relationships that are being built, and you know, new and old and deepened and widened, and I think that that's only good for the industry. I think that P20 is very fast becoming the place where if you are a senior executive, a big player within the payments industry, you need to be there, you need to be a part of the P20, because that's where it's all happening. Thanks, Duncan. And so we talk about having countries involved. I mean, that's, that's seismic stuff, and it's not just a vision, that's, that's a reality today. Payments touches all sectors, right? It's the first and last mile of all commerce transactions, and it touches everybody every day. Do firms have to be in the payments space to get involved with the P20? Well, to be a part of P20, to to be a part of anything that we're doing, you have to have some touching of the payments industry. That doesn't mean that you have to be 
processing payments or making payments or issuing a card or, or anything like that, but you have to have some form of touching on it. So you might be a supplier into the payments industry, you might be an advisor from a strategic or a legal advisor or some other advisor for the payments industry, but you, you must have a, a stake in it somewhere. You can't be a part of P20 if you don't touch the payments industry. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it, it really does. And I think, yeah, I'm just trying to break down the sort of the stakeholder map in my mind. There's so many professional services firms that play really key roles in the industry, but they're not necessarily doing anything technological. They're advising. They're helping create the robust infrastructure, whether it be from a legal perspective or a tax perspective or whatever it may be. They're supporting the regulatory environment. I know there have been a ton of professional services firms involved in the open banking initiatives in the UK, in GDPR, in, in all sorts of stuff that touches this sector. So that's really, really useful. Thank you, Duncan. We're getting to the end of it. I can't say enough times how excited I am about October the 3rd. There's going to be a ton of stuff going on, and I know people can go to the P20 website. How do you recommend people find out more about the P20? Well, I think the best way is from, from our website, payments20.com. Or you can follow us uh, on LinkedIn or Twitter, where we post uh, everything that we put out publicly on social media. But the website is where the most information is that you can find. And uh, we always end with a couple more lighthearted questions. You quite quickly vetoed the investment question that I had, so we'll, we'll skip over that one, although I am also curious. Fortunately, we've got dinner together tonight, so I can, uh, I can pick your brain after we've had a glass or two of wine. Mentors and role models. It's something I always like to ask. I, I can't tell you how important I think nurturing talent is. And we've all had wonderful men and women as role models throughout our lives. Who have been some of your most significant role models? Well, there's two groups of people. There's, there's, there's one, there's a pair of people. There's a chap that I worked for, for some years, who was just a serial entrepreneur. And there was a, a guy I worked uh, with on Westminster Council, both sadly no longer with us. But the two of them, what they both taught me was about positivity. They taught me about uh, as you problem solve and analyze, as you look at something, of looking at it in a, in a positive way and seeing how things can be done, you know, the sort of the glass uh, half full rather than half empty. And they really helped me, you know, in my early years of adulthood to really to, to understand and to analyze in a way that would see the, the solution rather than necessarily seeing the problem. And I will say that when one is involved uh, either with a technology company or is involved in politics in municipal government, people come to you with problems all the time. It's not that they come to you with solutions, they come to you with a problem. And trying to see that way through see the wood from the trees, how can you get through that to where the sunshine is, where the sunlit uplands are? Just having that skill, I found, you know, I found it hard to do at first, but uh, these two individuals both helped me enormously. Another very long-term mentor of mine, I met quite by chance, is a, a chap called Bob Packwood. He's a former United States senator from Oregon. He was elected uh, against the odds in 1968, He's a lot older than I am. And uh, at the time that I met him, he was the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee in Washington. But um, shortly after offering me a position on the Finance Committee, he left uh, the U.S. Senate uh, under a little bit of a cloud. But our relationship developed uh, after that. And 
One of the things that was very interesting, he's a very, very clever man, very politically astute. And he took this uh, unbelievable interest in my early political career on Westminster Council. Not just what I was doing, but the campaigns. We used to write to each other and we used to speak regularly. He came to London a number of times and I went to Washington to see him. There was so much that he taught me, not just about politics and, and operating, but just you know how you deal with people. And it, there was just so much that he taught me. But what was interesting to me was that the time that I met him, he was at the lowest point of his life. He left the Senate, um, I think it's fair to say he would put it this way, in disgrace. And one of the occasions when I first, when I tried to see him, he didn't want to see me because he said that I would be a millstone around his neck. And I, I didn't accept that. I felt uh, I liked him, I wanted to learn from him, and I persevered. And so, you know, people always think about role models and mentors being from older to younger, but sometimes it's from younger to older. And it was years later that I discovered just the effect that I had had on him at that time by the fact that I persevered and said that I, that I wanted to see him. And over the years, over the last uh, you know, nearly 25 years, has blossomed this amazing friendship and mentorship. Spending time with Bob Packwood is always a lot of fun. It's always intellectually stimulating. And the main thing is, is that you come away from a conversation with him and you've learned something new. You've learned something that you didn't know, and you're a better person for it. And so, you know, there are people, you know, in life who are, who are just like that. For me, it was him. That's lovely. Thank you, Duncan. And I, I completely agree with you. I think the concept of reverse mentoring is becoming increasingly powerful. I don't think I could say that I've reverse mentored any of my mentors yet, but I do think there's definitely mutual value there. And in a world that's getting increasingly complex every day that goes by, whether it be through interactions and communication or the complexity of technology, I think there's there's huge power in that. And uh, yeah, I hope maybe that the P20 can be at the center of some mentoring and reverse mentoring initiatives over time as well. Duncan, it's been an enormous pleasure. The sun has come out perfectly at the end of, uh, end of our podcast. I'm extremely grateful to have you on our podcast, and I'm really looking forward to October the 3rd. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Sam. Thank you for your time and insights, and thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.